Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. DNZ. 903 Marina to you around New Zealand. Uh, let's uh, hope you're having a, a great Friday. It's been a busy week, uh, certainly for us uh, here at SCNZ, and that will continue in the next three hours, I can assure you. We're going to, uh, inside the Moana Pacifica camp, and we're going to speak to head coach uh, Aaron Major very shortly. Uh, then we're going to talk to the boss, the boss of the NZ NBL, Hugh Bainon. I've had one weekend of the Sales uh, NBL. Uh, what was his reaction to the crowds, the results, etc.? Uh, and uh, looking forward to uh, another another busy weekend this weekend. The panel this morning will be Alex Chapman and Hamish Bidwell. number of uh, issues to talk about there as we head into the weekend. Uh, we shall be talking to uh, Mark Clayton on behalf of uh, um, Thoroughbred Race New Zealand uh, this morning because uh, Louis has uh, just disappeared off the face of the earth apparently. Uh, Pip Morris. Uh, Pip Morris is actually um, with us as well from the TAB. Mike Angove, head striking coach for UFC Performance Institute. Uh, in Shanghai, and that's where he is, and that's where we're going to track him down just after 11 o'clock. Uh, we'll be talking to uh, Glenda Hughes on a relatively sensitive issue. Where it is, folks, uh, Greyhound Racing New Zealand. She is the CEO, and she would like to speak on behalf of Greyhound Racing New Zealand uh, about the claims being made in the media uh, from time to time, and the very recent one as well uh, yesterday. Uh, so Mike Guerin, or Michael Guerin, be, uh, a lot of people we know him as Mick Guerin, uh, 11.45, uh, as well as a stump smithy around about 11.30. And your calls. Your calls will be coming in hopefully to us just after 9.30 on 0800 150 811. Uh, and uh, we're going to continue this theme uh, about why we're not going. Uh, I'm just going to ask a simple question. If they open up the gates and it was free, would you go? If they opened up the gates and it was free to get in to go to these sporting events, would you go? In other words, where does the problem really sit? Where does the problem really sit? And that will be after... 9.30 this morning, give you plenty of time to think about it, um, and uh, of course uh, get a chemist warehouse voucher for 50 bucks. Uh, if you are our favourite caller, thank you. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. And on that subject, we've been wondering where the sports fan has been going this week. A simple answer, it seems, is nowhere. Home on the couch, warm, drinking cheaper, eating cheaper, travelling cheaper, basically nowhere. You cannot blame them one bit. It's becoming a really comfy habit, and why not? It seems an increasing majority of people have just got out of the habit of making the effort to attend. Shall I go to the game? Can I be bothered? Is it worth the effort? Can I afford it? Didn't used to be an effort. Didn't used to be a task. It was a habit, though, and I much look forward to one at that. Get out the scarves, the beanies, the replica jerseys, load up the car, and let's go, folks. Now, there would be a... Now, that... That actually would be a good gauge. I wonder how the sales 
of memorabilia and that kind of stuff is going in the current environment. And is there a difference between a sports fan and a sports team fan? Those that go to the game because they love the game for the game itself or those who are seriously, seriously into their team? I mean, if they throw the gates open at Eden Park or wherever, would you go? If the costs came down, would you be bothered or are you that turned off now and that much in the habit of the couch and your own cold one? Even that wouldn't tempt you. And it's not just a rugby issue. That's just been the focus this week. And it's not just a COVID-driven reluctance. People have been not going to the races for years. The mess that cricket for longer than that. Hell, more people will probably go to the gym at the weekend than go to club sport. Life as we knew it is no longer life as we know it. It's depressing, but it may just be so far gone, this attendance problem, it can't be fixed. And that is worse than worrying it. It's just plain sad. Just plain sad. here on SENZ Rugby Time now and tomorrow will be uh, Moana Pacifica's first home game at Mount Smart Stadium under the orange light setting. Now we spoke uh, yesterday to Glenn Jackson about that enthusiastic 15,000 crowd they had at Suva the other day. Uh, Wasn't that just uh, great for the game and uh, a great look? Uh, Let's hope that that they can uh, sort of uh, simulate that tomorrow uh, at Mount Smart where Moana Pacifica have a very big home game against the Waratahs. Joining us now is the boss, the head coach, uh, Leon McDonald. Leon, thanks very much for your time this morning. Yeah, no, it's Aaron here, Smitty. Nearly, mate. Leon, Leon. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, shit. Now, hold, hold on. Can I just go back to the start there? Can I just go back to the start? <laughs> uh, now, joining okay, us this morning boy. is head coach Aaron Major. Oh, that's the faux pas of the week. Hey, hey look, uh, Aaron, here's the thing. Uh, looking at those uh, fantastic crowds, those fantastic crowds, uh, last week in Suva, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great at Mount Smart? Yeah, kia ora, Yeah, look, it would be great. It's going to be a beautiful day tomorrow uh, down at Mount Smart. The weather's supposed to be good, so yeah, we're looking forward to seeing as many of our uh, family and, and fans and uh, Pacifica community and any of the Auckland, wider Auckland community uh, to get down there and have a look. It should be should be a great occasion. Obviously, the Waratahs uh, had a big upset over the Crusaders last week, so they're in good form and. Our guys prepared really well, and um, we're getting better every week, so it should be a great occasion down there tomorrow. 4.35 kickoff. Yeah, yeah, 4.35 afternoon game, so that's cool, um, Aaron. Hey, hey, let's uh, look at the Waratahs. Uh, They could be pretty confident uh, after that massive win against the Crusaders last week. Yeah, they will be. They're they're playing some really good rugby, and I was fortunate enough to meet uh, Darren Coleman, their their new head coach, uh, for the first time uh, to function over in in Melbourne that the the coaches had to attend, and seems like a great fella and uh, just a real down-to-earth bloke, and you can see that in their footy. They're they're playing tough, they're playing for each other, and a lot of those guys that have been there for the last couple of years are starting to come through with a bit more experience, and um, yeah, they're, they're playing some good rugby, so it'll be a good challenge for us, but um, like we're getting better every week as well, and we're really excited about what we're going to offer and, and we're looking forward to that challenge. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, we're nine games in, you're one behind, you've got that catch-up game uh, against the force and there's been some frantic catching up to, that you've had to do, Aaron. Uh, what about a nine-game report card? You've still got four or five games to go. I just want a nine-game report card. Are you, uh, are you where you wanted to be at? Yeah, I think in terms of our growth, we're ahead of where I thought we might be at this time of year. You sort of 
come to the season yet playing against um, all these established sides that had 26 years of experience, most of them, and for us to be able to achieve what we've achieved so far in such a short time with um, hardly any lead-in time was, um, has been great. And the exciting thing is we, we see that growth in our players um, daily, really. There's so many good things happening where you know, a lot of young guys turn into really good professionals and starting to find a bit of consistency in their routines and good habits starting to form and that's transferring into consistency on the field. Obviously, um, you know, you try to you set your team up to try and get an outcome, which is ultimately to win every week. Uh, but we knew that was going to be uh, pretty tough early on and we've managed to sneak one and come close in three or four other games. So, look, we're, we're pretty happy. Um, but we've, we've certainly uh, put a plan in place to, to go and win the game tomorrow. I looked at the points table, um, and I, I look, oh, clearly um, both you and uh, Fiji and Drawer are down the bottom. There's no uh, great surprise about that. Uh, but one of the issues I, I saw there is your points difference. So conceding, uh, your defensive side of thing is probably going to have to be or, or one of your biggest work-ons. Yeah, essentially when you look at it like that, that's the probably snapshot you get. But if you look a little bit deeper, uh, it's how you play the game and like last week was the first game against the Rebels where we've actually had the ball for longer than the opposition. So that's a massive win for us. That's something we've been working on. So you don't have to defend as long. You can build more pressure with the ball in hand. Uh, the territory one's been a big one as well. We hadn't won a territory battle until last week in terms of percentages. So they were two massive ticks for us. And what that's come down to, in, in that, especially against the New Zealand teams, was just the intensity of the game. We found ourselves getting penalised for a lot of basic stuff, not rolling away not being on the side, and that's just getting to a, um, the intensity of, of the game, New Zealand teams, um, the pressure they put you under. And they're pretty lethal away than New Zealand teams. There's so much strike power. Uh, so if you, if you button off and give them lots of opportunities, they're going to score points against you. I think um, mm. you know the points scored in the New Zealand conference was a little bit higher than the Australian conference, so that's probably, um, yeah, probably not unexpected uh, with where we're at on the table and, and the amount of points we've conceded. Uh, within that, I actually think that the defence has been pretty good in terms of the tackle stuff. Uh, Bale McLeod's put a, put a lot of work in. All the coaches are working hard with our players there and we've seen some growth. So uh, it's just about pulling it together for 80 minutes. And if we can do that, then we can um, apply a bit more pressure with the ball in hand and start winning those numbers I talked about before. I mean, you've had um, some close calls. I mean, last week was uh, was very, very close. Um uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, and Christian said, the, the skipper Christian Laulefano said, hey, look, uh, probably the one that got away. Uh, we all know what happened with Lincoln McClutchy uh, perhaps holding the ball in the wrong hand. What, what do you do with a young player like that? You get alongside him during the week and just say, right, that was then, this is now? Oh, straight after the game, yes. Yeah. Got a lot of love for links. Um, coaches, players, he's, he's a really popular man in our team and like he's, he's performed really well for us. He trains really well. He's really diligent around uh, the things that he's working on and how he wants to get better. He's got a good plan in his head. So, yeah, there's sometimes those moments are tough, but we all go through it. You know, I remember sharing a couple of stories with, uh, with Lincoln on Saturday night in Melbourne around a couple of my um, couple of my lessons early in my career. Um, it's just part of the journey. And, like, he'll bounce back this week because he's a quality man and I know the boys are riding behind him. You've got an inspirational leader, um, Sakopi Kefu, of course, who has got uh, a, a big turnout uh, this weekend against his former team where he played well over 140 games, I think, for them. So uh, how's he looked at training this week, the big man? Yeah, he's, he's going really well, Sakopi, and 
look, we're really lucky to have a man of his quality. Uh, firstly, as, as a man and the influence he has on the growth of our of our young players, you know, um, not just as footy players, but also helping them on on life journey. And he's well supported by uh, Christian and, and Jack and Kamasi Alasil, Henry Tofu, more experienced guys that are part of our leadership group. Uh, Eddie and Nadi, just quality men. I love working with these boys, and I love working with with Kits. Um, he makes it fun. We've got a good relationship. Uh, we're really aligned and. Um, yeah, he, he's he's been huge for this team, and he's obviously excited um, playing against his old team. But I think he's probably more excited about trying to get down the middle and run 40 or 50 metres. He got a little bit carried away last week and uh, panicked and, and uh, <laughs> threw, threw a bit of a bit of a dodgy offload. So no, he's he's in good form, and, and to see him uh, back at his best and doing those types of things out on the field probably just shows how much he's enjoying his rugby as well. From an overall point of view, um, getting back to that side of things, Aaron. Uh, we spoke to Glenn Jackson about the, um, the new pathways it seems to be uh, uh, presenting for Fijian players in particular going to the draw. He, he said we've had contact from players overseas now who are looking to come back this direction. They see a genuine way through now. Is that the same case uh, with Moana Pacifica? Are you getting that feedback? Oh, yeah, there's plenty of interest, Smithy. Plenty of interest from, uh, from young players, players that have played in New Zealand, um, international players. Um, that, that see it as a real viable option. I think the uh, probably the most pleasing thing for us is, is the feedback around uh, the growth that I've seen in our environment. And look, we're just going to get better. We're going to get so much better uh, with, a, with an off-season, uh, the proper pre-season, uh, put some some more infrastructure around the whole program and how we develop. And um, like we're just getting started. Eh? It's the very start. We've done really well on, on the bare bones in our first season. But uh, it's really exciting. I think where we can take Moana Pacifica and um, it's a great pathway for, for our young players. Like we had our club, uh, we had our non-playing players out in the clubs and schools yesterday and just the impact mm-hmm. in the community that was having in our Pacifica community was, was massive. And hopefully in time we'll be able to get up to, to Samoa and Tonga and, and do the same into the Cook Islands and, and try and um, share the love there and try and create, create a pathway from the islands into Moana Pacifica based over here. So... Um, yeah, all those things ahead of us, uh, it's only going to get better. Mm. It's exciting stuff. So is there a prospect, I mean it's early days, but there is a prospect that you'll be able to take the game to uh, the Islands uh, in terms of being a genuine home team at some point? Yeah, definitely. And, and it was discussed this year. Obviously with, with all the challenges we've had and the uncertainty of being able to get up to the Islands and uh, the timing probably wasn't, wasn't really favourable to us, but... Yeah, it's something that I know the board are really working hard on and uh, I know Kevin Senior, our rugby director, has put a lot of work into that space. Uh, I know certainly talking to Salala Mapasua and, um, and the Samoan Rugby Union and, and Tōtai as well, uh, trying to get up there and play some games up there and uh, you know, connecting with, with their coaches and especially their, their local coaches up on the island, helping develop them and put some structure around the, the framework they have up in the islands. Um, it's definitely part of the, the longer term plan so yeah hopefully that will happen next year how good was that to play a, play a game and look all off or, or up there in front of um, a, a packed house oh, oh how good would it be especially if you could perhaps <laughs> uh, get the, the Fijian Drua uh, to get there because of course you've got them next Saturday you have to travel for that match but I think that's uh, one of those barometer type season games when you look at that one on the calendar and say 
man, this is one. I think it's already going to be the match of the round um, next weekend without uh, looking at the points table. Uh, that, I would imagine, is something the boys are thinking about. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, yeah, it's going to be an exciting game. And I was fortunate enough to I sat down and had a nice red wine with uh, Mick Byrne over in Australia. And we just shared where we're at um, this, this time of our journey. And, and it's, it's pretty much paralleled. Like everything we expected, um, we've, we've got. There's been so many awesome little things to celebrate along the way and so much growth in our campaign and their campaign. Uh, but we're both really excited around where we can, where we can go uh, with, with our teams. And um, yeah, the upside's just massive. So, uh, and it's good to have a guy that I know really well and uh, respect to, to, to bounce ideas with. Obviously, we won't be sharing too much next week, but um, that's the, mm. the beauty of the game, eh? You cross paths with good people and you stay in touch, and it's about you know, sharing those experiences and, and everybody getting better. So, um, yeah, it's good to have Mick to bounce with, and I know he enjoyed having a chat with, with me as, around where at as well. So, yeah, we're looking forward to uh, to that battle next week. Hey, Aaron, uh, I, I just wonder where um, you've done so many things in uh, your rugby career. You're a, a really young man still, um, but here's the thing. Uh, has this been your biggest challenge? Um, you know, if you take away the playing side of things, you look at the, the, the coaching areas you've been, has this been the biggest and most enjoyable challenge of your life? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's certainly been one of the most enjoyable. It, it probably goes back to um, my days as a, as a player in the Crusaders where just such a strong sense of belonging and, and I played in the Crusaders with guys that I've come through the academy with and I was so well looked after by uh, senior players and uh, played alongside my brother and guys that I went to school with, or you know Ben Blair's and Chris Jackson, guys like that that I that I come through the school system with. Um, and and Wainer Pacifica is, is very similar, very family uh, oriented environment, and and probably you know the anchors that we have to to our family and to our history and our ancestors and and the people that we that we journey for here on, on this Kopapa is has been really special. Um, certainly something that I, I carry with me every day when I think about uh, my family. And, and my own um, my own heritage, and it's a real privilege to be able to, to represent that and um, with with Mana Pacifica and and try to inspire the next generation of uh, of our people. So that's really special. That's why it's been so enjoyable, and um, that's why we're really aware of, of where we're at, and we make make sure we celebrate all the all the good things that are happening. Yeah, in terms of challenge, yeah, there's been a lot of challenges, um, but different challenges, different challenges for us. Like the, the exciting thing is we know everybody's in, everybody's committed to, to what we're trying to achieve here and everybody's on the same page. So uh, the challenge for us is really around putting the support in place, putting the right support in place now that we've got a feel for where we're at and what's required um, so we can c- continue to grow the program. And uh, that's just exciting, really. So, yep, it's been a bit of a challenge, but it's, I just see lots of opportunities for us to, to keep getting better and um yeah, we're all looking forward to uh, the next stage of the journey, and obviously that's that's tomorrow. The first first horizons right in front of us against the Waratahs, and I know we're going to be better again tomorrow. Uh, I keep saying that every week because I can see that growth daily, and uh, look, we'll be better yeah. again tomorrow. We look forward to putting on a good performance in front of our our people at, at Mount Smart. And I look forward to them uh, all turning up as well, and great support for you and getting those flags and and things flying. Um, so it's Moana Pacifica tomorrow, folks, against the Waratahs, Mount Smart. 4.35, Aaron Major, thanks so much for your time this morning. Good luck uh, carrying on the journey. Great to chat to you, Nisbo. Cheers, mate.
<laughs> got me. Good one. Good one, boy. Uh, well done. And you're thinking about that the whole time too, weren't you? Absolutely. Brilliant. Uh, Aaron Major there. Ah, <laughs> uh, you bear. So there we go. Yeah, Aaron Major, head coach for Moana Pacifica. And I wrote uh, the reason I said Leon McDonald because I'd written Leon McDonald's name down on the same piece of paper over another issue, and I read it, and that is bad. Uh, but however, I'll take it on uh, one of my many chins and just move on. Um, and uh, what else will we uh, talk about this? Oh, yeah, we've got that uh, chemist warehouse thing coming up after 9 th- uh, 9.30. That's the chemist warehouse voucher thing uh, where you can win 50 bucks. And uh, our subjects today, well, you want to want, want to talk about Moana Pacifica, actually, if you want to. Are you going to that game? Give us a call if you're going to go to that game and uh, support your local team, your new local team under the Orange system. That would be good to call uh, hear from one of your callers. One of you callers uh, going to that game as a genuine fan. Uh, are there genuine fans or um, are the genuine fans of teams disappearing in this country and we just uh, have to get used to that? Uh, so number of subjects to talk uh, on the blower, 0800 just after 9.30. We're going to take a short break here. I'll give myself an uppercut and then we'll move on after that. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Always an outlet going forward, as Piscopo does here. There's Piscopo getting onto the right foot. How about that? Reno Piscopo underlining all his class and what has been a very good 20 minutes in this second half from Wellington Phoenix. And it is all over. And look what it means to Wellington Phoenix. After a hellish season, not allowed to return home to play for so long, they have prevailed. And the Phoenix have qualified for finals football. Yeah, Channel 10 coverage there through Sky Sport home here in New Zealand last night. That was the 65th minute winner by Reno Piscopo, which has driven the Wellington Phoenix into the playoffs. Absolutely fantastic result for them, uh, with all uh, our franchises have to go through for playing predominantly, of course, on Australian soil at the moment. That is an achievement in a half, one has to say. So congratulations to the Phoenix. We look forward to playoff footy for the first time for a while. Uh, Smithy, yeah, uh, rather ironic you called Aaron Leon by mistake because... Uh, he sings from the same song sheet, both ex-composed Crusaders, Jared from Christchurch, undoubtedly there, coming in with uh, that text. Uh, hey, Smithy, I think there are definitely genuine fans still out there, uh, but it's at more of a regional level like NBC, NPC and Heartland. When you get up to the franchises, they don't get out of their regions. Like down here in Vicago, we used to get the Highlanders play at Rugby Park, and now they don't come. I feel the franchises need to give back to their supporters by playing home games, not just at the base ground. Cheers. That's Cam from Invercargill. Thanks, uh, Cam. I appreciate that. Uh, $9.50 can of Waikato at the Chiefs game. That's one reason uh, we, why uh, this uh, particular texter doesn't actually turn up and go. Uh, I'd rather go watch my local club play than waste my money on boring and predictable super rugby, says Liam. I smother regarding going to live sports. We go to every Hurricanes home game and travel an eight-hour return trip from Taranaki to do so. The reason we do so is because of how good the players are uh, with our kids engaging with them after games and training. The actual product is boring to watch, though. Oh, that's interesting. So the 
The engagement from the players, etc., is cool. The experience is good in terms of the fans, etc., uh, but the actual product is boring to watch. Mm, interesting. Okay, more thoughts uh, over the phone if you like. Uh, 0800 150 811 uh, after the news with Araha and Chemist Warehouse Voucher uh, for 50 bucks up for grabs as well. Talkback Time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse Voucher. 0800-150-811 Yep, you can do that uh, if you like right now and uh, you can talk to uh, us about whether you're going to uh, Moana Pacifica this weekend, uh, what you're expecting uh, in a home game at Mount Smart. If not, why aren't you going? Uh, if you're not going to, there's four games around the country this weekend. Love to hear for a reason why you are or aren't going. In fact, if you are or aren't going would be uh, outstanding. Uh, so you'll be in line to win the $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. So uh, look forward to your calls there. Uh, great round uh, from uh, Ryan Fox overnight. Uh, and uh, I think it's worth reflecting on that, actually, because uh, he's setting a rich vein of form. Birdies at 16 and 17. And 18 for Ryan Fox. For a round of 66, and the New Zealander is in the clubhouse and a share of the lead alongside Torbjörn Ullis. It is uh, 9.34 this morning here on SNZ. Just looking to out of the corner of my eye, the PGA at the moment, the Wells Fargo Championship. Uh, Jason Day, now there's a name you want to see at the top of the leaderboard. Hasn't been there for a while. Jason Day, uh, seven under the card, two-shot lead. Uh, Zaid, good morning to you. Man, and I'm definitely G'day, Zaid. I'm looking... Hello? Yeah. G'day, Zaid. Yeah, you're you going this weekend, eh? Yeah, I'm hearing you, Zaid. Yeah. Uh, you're going, yep. Yeah, definitely going. Big fan. Um, looking forward to the Blues. Um, uh, looking forward to see how Robinson and James Tucker go on the locks. Different experiment this week, but... You've got to get the three best loose forwards pretty much in New Zealand rugby right now with um, Dolson Pabali'i, Kerry Ioane and Hoskins to 2-2 together. And now that Ioane's back starting, um, I hope he can get fit and firing and um, be in the ABs team this year. Um, but yeah, I hope there's a good good, good little crowd um, along tonight. Um, it's not raining or anything, but you know, as we know, um, yeah, some people don't want to go to the rugby and that's up to them, but I like going, so I, that's what I'm doing. And on the Phoenix, absolute great thing to make the playoffs. The, all the hardship they've been under with lots of COVID cases, injuries, and all sorts, you know. It's just a great, great feeling story. And that Ollie Sale, oh my God, he's a beast, isn't he? He is a beast, so he be, is a, a, a beast. You're, you're right, he's, he's been in great form. Play. If they're going to have to get out a player of the year for the Phoenix, it would be Ollie Sale, wouldn't it? It would be. It would absolutely be. Uh, how did you enjoy? How did you enjoy your, your time in the in the studio yesterday? Yeah, it was. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. Thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, my my uh, understanding is that uh, the boys uh, thoroughly enjoyed having you as round as, uh, around as well, Zaid. So thank you very much for your call. That's We're going good. to go to. We're going to go to Chris from Tauranga. G'day, Chris. Good morning to you. G'day, Smithy. Oh, Zane's a tough call to follow with all his knowledge, but um, yeah, 
Hey, um, I just, I just wanted to say, um, you know, acknowledge what um, the Highlanders are doing um, to encourage crowds, you know, and the uni students. My daughter's in the first year of uni down there, and um, she doesn't miss a game. There's a whole crowd of them go along. They're really encouraged to go. Um, I wouldn't describe her as a huge rugby fan, but she hasn't missed a game. You know, it's a, it's a really good thing, and I think um, what they do for the uni students and get them along to the games and, you know, encouragement-wise, and I just, you know, acknowledge that, you know, they are trying to get new... Well, they've been doing that for years, but, you know, they are trying to get new people to the game, and I think more sides probably should do that, especially with the Highlanders not really winning, you know, and they're still getting all these people desperate to get along. So why wouldn't... If it was in town, would you go? If it, if it was what, sorry? If it... If it was in your town, I, I would you go, in your city? Oh, No, no, but yeah, if well, it I'm came a... to your town, Super Rugby? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Des- desperately go, yep, yep. Um, uh, we don't get a lot of games, as you know, but, uh, yeah, I sometimes shoot over to Rotorua or, you know, when they have a game over there, the Chiefs. Um, but, you know, it's there's not a lot of games in, in Tauranga, as you know, but, uh, yeah, I'm just glad my daughter's taking it up and, and loving the game, so, you know. So you're a, a rugby fan uh, or a team fan, like, for instance, Bay of Plenty home games? Look, I've got to be honest, I'm, I'm an Auckland fan. Um, so, uh, you know, just what they've done in the last few years, and I've always have been, um, but I'm a sport nut, to be honest. Um, I follow everything, but league's probably my big go-to um, because it's a better game to watch, but I, I love rugby. You know, I've played rugby, I've coached rugby, it's just everything about it, so, yeah. Okay, uh, interesting. That thanks uh, very much uh, for your call. Now, uh, next in line is uh, Logan is Craig. Craig, g'day, Craig. Uh, nice to hear from you again. Um, what are your thoughts on the matter? Yeah, g'day, Smitty. Um, <clears throat> look, I think I think sport, and, and we can chat about rugby, um, but but sport in general need to do things a bit differently. Um, and I guess the example I use is you look at Formula One and, and the Netflix series on Drive to Survive. Um, from from what I've heard, um, the Mercedes and the Ferraris team in season one didn't didn't want to take part, and and if you watch season one of that, they they weren't involved so much. Uh, whereas Red Bull, they embraced it and, and got involved. And since season one, the other two teams have have figured out that they perhaps missed an opportunity. Now I think rugby players, especially in this country, need to realise that. Well, not only players, but coaches and, and the rugby union, they kind of have a responsibility to to promote their game. Um, and, and when you hear stories about, like, the Players Association getting into their contracts that they only have to do so many media appearances or whatever, I, I just think it's wrong. I think they need to, to realise that it's it's their livelihoods that if, if they can't promote their own game, if they can't get people enthusiastic about their own game, um, and if their game suffers because of it, well, it's it's to their own detriment, really. So for me, I think everyone involved from from the administrators right down, but, but including the players, need to need to take some responsibility. Now, it could, I mean, I, I don't think Netflix would do a series on rugby in New Zealand, but it could be just as simple as, it's getting amongst schools. Um, as that previous caller said, you know, the, the Highlanders are embracing the university students to go. Um, it's maybe about game day experience, changing things up. But I just think that, that everyone has, has an obligation to to do something. I mean, I'd love to see see some of the, the super rugby players and, and especially the All Blacks 
in and amongst the schools and getting in amongst the, the community and the young kids playing and and just just something something has to change, you know. And, and the the attitude of of I only have to do, you know, three media appearances in a year or, or whatever. It's got to it, they've, they've got to change that mindset. They really do. Completely agree with that. It should. I mean, it should not be, it, Craig. It should not be. You're right. It should not be a task. It should not be boring, and it should not be uh, too onerous to engage with fans at any occasion or to answer requests at any occasion when you're looking to regrow the game. Uh, and that's, uh, I think, that's the stage they're at. They're looking at regrowing it. Craig, thanks very much for your call. Uh, we'll head down uh, a little bit further south to Dave in Palmerston North. Morning, Dave. Morning, Smitty. How are you? You're all good. Yeah, good, mate. Very, very good. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look, I'm originally from Hawke's Bay, and um, I, I heard you yesterday. I lived in McVeigh Street, which backed onto McLean Park, and was always watching Maris games on a Saturday, um, and then, you know, watched Hawke's Bay play France and Australia there. I think with rugby and going to rugby, and I am going, I'm going to the test in, um, against the Irish, 180 bucks a ticket you know, in July. But I think what what the union's doing wrong is, is the super teams aren't working. I think we need to go to a model like they have in England where the club teams, you know, your Hawks, Bays, Bayapinis, Taranakis, are in a competition. And then from that, they have a Champions and Challenge Cup sort of procedure. Then you, then you get more engagement. The players are from the franchises. Look at... You'd know, Smithy, how many players has Hawks Bay donated to other super franchises? Mm. We'd have a great team, you know, your Retellics, your Webbers, Stu Fosters, et cetera, et cetera. We'd, we'd probably have won the uh, Super Rugby about five times. Um, yeah, so I, I think the model's got to change to get the engagement. Other, and then with the, you know, the players having more invested in, in that area, they, they will go out to schools and one thing that's missing is the old days of running onto the field after the game. That was brilliant for kids, you know, and, you know, they got to t- touch the players. I don't know if the players liked it too much, but it was, it was good to see. It's good spectacle. Um, one other thing, Smithy, you know, with the Moana and the Drua, are, they, are these players protected at the end of the season or are the biggest franchises going to try and pick the eyes out of them and get the better players, do you know? Well, that's an interesting point, actually, because uh, anyone that excels, um, anyone that excels in those two franchises, I would imagine, is uh, and this contract is running out or up for grads, it's their responsibility to make sure that they are secured. Now, I have no idea of the length of the contracts of individual super players. That's uh, something for the Players Association and for the players and the agents, etc. But you, you raise a very good point, and um, I, I can see it coming, and, you know, you look at, uh, it's an article this morning, Scott Robertson saying, uh, we've never had to go so deep into our squad as we have this year. Uh, and of course, um, that, that is a, a franchise which has been notorious for going outside to strengthen within um, the, the Crusaders. I, I think you raise a very good issue there, and I would imagine the likes of uh, Aaron Major uh, and uh, the likes of uh, Mick Byrne uh, are looking at that now because they certainly, having started to develop talent, don't want to lose it, do they? No, no, I think this, well, just off the bat from what you're saying, it should be like a, um, if a new franchise comes in, maybe three years those players are protected. They can't be, you know, 
taken away by another franchise. They should be locked in. And then otherwise, you, you, like you say, you're going to have the problem of just using the Crusaders as an example, picking the eyes out of that, that talent and then weakening that, you know, that franchise. If they give them three years to build up and then you've got a solid platform to go forward and that will attract other players. But if, they, if, they, if other players, emerging players, see that the bigger players are just going as, as soon as they um, reach a certain standard, then the attraction's not there to join that franchise. So here's an interesting point too, Dave, and, and we get this a lot because life is a more transient thing now. We don't look, tend to live yeah. in one same spot. And you yourself have said, I'm a Hawke's Bay guy, I was yes. born and raised just a stone's throw from McLean Park. Now that you're a Palmy guy, are you a, a buckethead? Are you a green and white? Or is your allegiance still with Hawke's Bay? Nah, my allegiance will always be with Hawke's Bay. Smithy, I, you know, I, I left Hawke's Bay to go to university and then went to you know, the UK for 15 years and got here you know, just before COVID, and uh, like I've only been in Palmy a couple of years, but I I watch Hawks Bay, I watch Napier Boys High, you know, in the t- uh, top, you know, first fifteen competition, especially against Palmy. Um, no, it'll be Hawks Bay forever, you know. That's just how it is. Yeah, and th- and that I think is also a small uh, part of the the problem as well, Dave. Is that people travel a lot more. We we change uh, residents for jobs and things of of that nature, and. Sometimes uh, we leave our greatest allegiance behind and therefore we don't go anymore. Hey, Dave, thanks very much for your call. Absolutely outstanding. In fact, uh, thanks to everyone that has uh, called in this morning and Logan will make that announcement uh, shortly on who his uh, choice is for the morning to win the chemist uh, warehouse voucher for $50. Uh, Texts are flying in as well. We'll have uh, a minute or two uh, to uh, go through those before we have a multi for the weekend. It is 9.46. Winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, Drua players are already getting offers from French clubs. That's uh, from Chris. Well, if that is the case, uh, there's no way in the world uh, that the Fijian Drua franchise will be able to meet that kind of money. If uh, those those offers are genuine, uh, the French will win there. So that is uh, concerning. But then again, uh, that is just uh, the nature of Super Rugby, and that just doesn't apply to the Fijian franchise. Uh, a lot of our players, of course, uh, look at uh, game of just have it, cast your eye over a game of uh, Japanese club rugby every now and then, and just see some names that you thought you might have long forgotten that are still absolutely running around and getting heaps to do it. Uh, Smithy, in terms of Super Rugby, is it a cost thing in the current climate? I would imagine cost is a big factor in it, absolutely big factor in it. Um, but you know, my question is really if if, if it costs Nothing. Uh, I mean, if you went, if it was, you're able to get in the gate for nothing, right? Would you still go? I mean, have we have we just lost the desire to go? It's not actually, uh, it's not the the occasion, or or it's just so much easier to sit at home and watch it on telly. Uh, and um, it is. I mean, you could you could just sit there with your mates with a couple of boxes of the proverbial dial in a pizza or something and watch two or three games of rugby, a game of league, etc. in the space of six hours, you're going to have a hell of a, job, a, hell of a night. You're not going to have anyone threatening you what to do. Don't yell too loud. Don't move from your seat. Don't walk the same way. Don't, um, you know, uh, it's just, it's just uh, not as threatening, is it? Uh, Smithy Dave's a magpie through and through from a turbo supporter. Yep, no doubt about that. He is a magpie through and through. 
Uh, we shall take a short break, and when we come back, a multi for the weekend. This has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the holder, know when the folder, Smithy's multi, know when to walk away, and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. It is uh, coming up to 10 o'clock, to, and the multi yesterday went uh, down the gurgler very quickly. The Rabbitohs, you know, they were a buck 23 favourites to beat the Broncos. The Broncos beat the Rabbitohs 32-12 last night. 32-12. They smashed them. Uh, as well as that, of course, I went with my head against the heart, and the heart prevailed. The Phoenix getting up to beat Western Sydney Wanderers, and of course now through to the playoffs. Uh, this weekend, what have we got lined up? The Chiefs to beat the Brumbies, 7+. plus, 7.5 plus the Brumbies, okay? The Brumbies, uh, the Chiefs, I think, will beat them, but the Brumbies have got a 7.5 point start, and I think that's handy enough for the best Australian team. So I'm going to take that. Brumbies plus 7.5. Uh, Crystal Palace to beat Watford at a buck 62. Milwaukee Bucks to beat the, the Boston Celtics at a buck 68. And Arsenal to beat Leeds in a crucial game. Promotion relegation for Leeds is looming. Um, and uh, relegation in particular. Arsenal are looking for a chance to get into Europe. Those ones get up. Brumbies plus 7.5. Palace, Bucks, Arsenal, $6.93. $6.93. We have Hugh Bainan after the break. We're going to be talking about the Sal's NBL. And why not? He's the boss of it. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, last weekend we saw the opening round of the Sales NBL. Uh, Ten teams in our National Men's League uh, starting with a clean slate and hoping, of course, for a chance at the championships, uh, one that's currently held by the Wellington Saints, and with New Zealand now under uh, an orange traffic light setting, the fans are allowed back. The atmosphere has been building uh, just on the, those opening games. And uh, we're joined now by the NBL's general manager, uh, Hugh Bainan, of course, who doubles up as a commentator as well. Hugh, good morning to you. Your impressions overall of the first weekend? Good morning, Smithy. Um, oh, twofold, I guess. Uh, impressions, you know, off-court um, just fantastic. You know, we had we had great crowds. We had, a, we had a few sellouts over round one, which was awesome. Game one was a, was a full sellout um, here in Nelson, so that was a fantastic start. Uh, GMs have done an awesome job, and our teams have done a great job to make the arenas look good. And, you know, some things to work on, but don't worry, we've been all over that this week. Um, on the court, a little bit... Um, a little bit disjointed, I guess, because of the nature of the borders just reopening and some imports not being here yet. That's already starting to see itself clean up. So we have a few more teams back to, uh, or not back to, but at full strength for the first time in 2022 uh, in round two, which um, started last night and continues tonight. And a few more uh, Australian-based or overseas-based Kiwis have made their way back into the country and, and started their contracts. So we knew that... You know, the first couple of rounds were going to be a little bit like that with some um, teams having to use, you know, their roster depth to compete. Um, but also a fantastic opportunity to see some of our young Kiwis get out there and play and, and, and get their uh, get their minutes uh, up at NBL level, which is great. So, yeah, no, really happy overall. 
Yeah, well, that's, that is the point, actually, because uh, while you're waiting for the teams to be strengthened by those uh, overseas purchases and arrivals, etc., you are getting the exposure for the youngsters, which I think might have been a bit of a problem for the Saints. I mean, I looked at one scoreline last week, uh, the defending champions getting rolled 117-81, Southland Sharks doing a number on them, and I thought, wow, what is going on here? But uh, obviously, that was one of the reasons why. They just certainly are far from at full strength yet. Yeah, they had uh, zero imports, the, the Saints, last week, and also they've got... You know, Jordan Nathai, Tom Vodanovic, um, among other, Dane Samuel, Australian NBL-based New Zealanders who weren't there. Now, Dane Samuel's back in the country, so he's going to play uh, this week. They've got one of their imports, Mike Smith, who I'm told from Guy Malloy, the head coach there, is a gun. And the Saints are, are pretty sure he's going to be the best shooter in the NBL this year, which is going to be good to see. He came off a 17-hour flight straight to training and apparently just killed it. So really looking forward to seeing Mike Smith in action uh, when they take on the Otago Nuggets tomorrow. So, yeah, you know, things are starting to pick up, which is great. And, the, and that game tomorrow, the Otago Nuggets, you know, who, who came down to Nelson uh, with zero imports um, last week, well, they've, they've got all three of their imports, um, including two have come fresh out of the Australian NBL and one who's come fresh out of college. So completely different look for those two teams tomorrow night when they take the court. I know you have to remain completely impartial because uh, you are overall uh, the general manager. But having said that, you are a Nelson man, and uh, they looked uh, uh, they looked uh, pretty handy over the the Nuggets last week, and they've got uh, a big one tonight, I believe. Are you calling that one? Yes, I'll be there with the great Phil Jones uh, for that one tonight from the Trafalgar Centre. Yeah, they they, w- they would have been really happy, you know, last uh, last week. But of course, like I said, there was a very understrength Nugget side. Um, but some promising signs for the Giants, you know, Alonzo Mourning third, son of the NBA Hall of Famer, and what a start he made to his NBL career, 35 points, 14 rebounds, so a much different proposition tonight. In fact, that's probably my game of the round, I think, tonight, because uh, everyone's intrigued to see what uh, Trey Mourning, or Alonzo Mourning, as he goes by Trey, Trey Mourning's going to produce, uh, but this time he's got an Auckland to a Tartar side that come off a big win in their first ever game. They've got Rob Lowe, Chris Johnson, two of the best big men in the competition, so it's a really intriguing battle tonight. Two teams are almost at full strength. The, the Tuatata have got one import still to come who arrives next week, uh, but they're a good team, so it's going to be really interesting to see where these two sides are at tonight. Nice result for the Franklin Bulls as well. Still a relatively new franchise as such, knocking over Hawks Bay on the road, and then Hawks Bay bouncing back last night to begin this weekend's round against Taranaki. Yeah, it was a surprise win last week. You know, it's not easy to beat the Hawks uh, in Napier. Yes, they, they've got a couple of players. Last week, they had a couple of players that hadn't arrived. We saw Hiram Harris arrive last night from the Adelaide 36ers, which was great. They've still got Jared Kenny to come. Um, but still, that's a really talented squad. And those two Franklin Bulls, the Franklin Bulls and the Hawks by Hawks are our only two rosters that will be fully Kiwi this year, which is cool. It's awesome to have... Uh, some fully Kiwi rosters. Don't forget the Bulls are still at Corey Webster to come as well. So two teams to watch there. But that was a great win for, for Morgan Maskell on debut as a head coach in the NBL. So really happy for him. Um, and that's another good game this week. You know, the Bulls taking on the Sharks on Sunday because the Sharks had that big win over the Saints. Now they've got to head up to the Stockyard, as they call it, in Pukekohe, take on the Bulls. So, yeah, it's really, you know, I'm just excited, Smithy. You know, first and foremost, I'm a fan. Um, you know, so mm. it's just great to, to get these matchups back and see uh, young Kiwis playing with some good imports. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this weekend. Just for, for if I take the Nelson Giants uh, game and, and the event that they put on down there, uh, as you say, it was sold out. Is it uh, is 
what does it cost? I mean, we've, we've done this exercise this week. People just not going to sporting anymore as the way they used to. Um, would you bear that in mind when you look at costs and entertainment and things like that, the fan, the fan engagement? Oh, 100%. You know what's been a really, and this is, a little bit, this is going to come out of left field a little bit, but what's been a really uh, good indicator of this for me over the past few years, obviously my, you know, my father's Welsh, we've made fun of my Welshness a few times and did various sporting uh, endeavours on this show, but uh, really interesting what's happening in Wales between Welsh rugby and Welsh football, right? So Welsh rugby, you know, my, my old man hasn't missed a Welsh rugby game for however many years. I would say the, the you know, he, and this is coming from him and some other friends over there, the average age of people at a Welsh rugby game is, you know, 60 plus and they're charging 80 to 150 pounds for tickets to watch Wales play rugby. The Welsh football team, who are going through a phenomenal resurgence with packed crowds of young people, it's 30 pounds to go and watch them play in the playoff final to try and make it to the World Cup. So that's a real clear indicator of what, first of all, younger fans can afford and want to pay. Uh, and two, I just think it shows respects to the fans, you know. So the Nelson Giants, Mike Fitchett has done a phenomenal job as the general manager and the head coach over the past three years. They brought their ticket prices down because they know, you know, they want people to be there. You know, there's no point having an empty seat for $25 that, that, that you're not going to sell when you could sell it for 10 you know, and you get the crowd in there, which is better for the team. It's a better look on TV. It means people want to come back and people watch it on TV and say, I want to be there. So we take all of that into account. Right now, we're doing our ticketing for the for the final series, uh, which the league runs. Uh, the final six is held in Auckland in um, in August. So all that stuff we're taking into account. Fan, fan engagement is so far up the list uh, compared to revenue uh, on our on our priority list. That yeah, and I think it, it pays off in the long run. It's a hell of a good point. That actually, people sitting at you want you want people sitting at home, particularly if they're, they're in the area of, of where the, the match is being played, to get FOMO. Really, you, you want them to have a fear yeah. of missing out, so they'll line up next week. And that, I think that's that's something that's not portrayed that well either. And um, at match experience, perhaps needs to be better portrayed for those sitting at home. One hundred percent. You know, there's and it's nothing better than being able to, as a you know if you're running a franchise than being able to put the sold up sold out sign on the on the door. Mm. Yes, you're going to disappoint a few few fans who walk up, but you better believe those fans. The first thing they're doing is going home and buying tickets for next week in advance. You know, and that's how you get those momentum. And of course, we know Kiwi fans love a winner as well. Winning always helps. Um, and, and so we'll see that affect crowd numbers throughout the season. But uh, no, it's a great start. Great start for our teams. Okay, cool. Let's uh, look at uh, the NBL across the Tasman, the ANBL, and I would imagine I'd be very surprised if being the promotions guy or the guy in charge of selling tickets uh, wasn't rubbing his hands together in Tasmania because what a start. What a start by the jack jumpers. I mean, um, all those people in Hobart must be seriously lining up to go there. Oh, I think the, the, the people in charge of selling tickets have got the easiest job in the world this week. Surely they just sit back and watch the money roll in. Like, this is... A phenomenal story, you know. Like not not only is it a brand new team, it's a brand new team from a from a small region uh, as well. It's not like a new Sydney team or a new Melbourne team or anything like that. And to get this far, you know, and also it's a team that when people looked at the roster at the start of the season, they, they didn't go finals. They said bottom three, you know. And I, I would have been in that. I would have been in that as well. I would have said, oh, look, that's a you know, I'm really happy to see them here, but that's probably they probably struggle to make the playoffs. Now they're in the grand final and they've knocked off Melbourne United, which is like knocking off Real Madrid on the way through in terms of money spent on roster and quality of player and coaching staff and everything. 
quality of club. Melbourne United are a fantastic organisation, so to knock them off on the way through to the grand final is something, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, the, the Kiwi and me points to uh, Mickey Vakona's influence, of course, he's a consultant there and, and was specifically brought in from day one to um, be a, a culture consultant and make them and help them build a culture, which is, of course, we know what Mickey Vakona's done for so much for New Zealand basketball in that regard over the years. Uh, and, of course, Jared Weeks, former breaker and a real fan favourite with the breakers, is now, now over there. Hit a couple of big shots in their uh, Game 3 win over Melbourne United the other day. So, yeah, this is uh, it's phenomenal. And it really is David V. Goliath, you know, the Sydney Kings are the real glamour club of that league. Um, so I think pretty much all of Australia is going to be behind Tasmania over the next couple of weeks. Well, interesting, uh, of course, uh, with uh, this match-up now. Uh, you, you wouldn't bet against the, the Jack Jumpers, I wouldn't think, on the feeling that you've got. But uh, the five series, uh, five match series against, uh, or best of five match series against the Sydney Kings, surely the Kings would be healthy favourites here, wouldn't they? Yeah, I'd be looking at three one. You can't I, again, you know, for all that spiel I just gave about the fairy tale, you, I, I can't mm. see it continuing. But that's why they're fairy tales, right? It could, it could very much, it could happen. I'd love to see it happen, but. If I was putting my uh, hard-earned money on the line, I'd be probably looking at 3-1 to Sydney. Um, but uh, I long live the Jack Jumpers, you know? And all that, what a name as well, the Jack Jumpers. <laughs> in the grand final, yeah. fantastic. So uh, who, who are you looking in terms of uh, standout performers? Who has to be shut down? Uh, if the Jack Jumpers are uh, to win this, uh, who in terms of the Kings do they have to nail? Well, Xavier Cooks, you know, who's um, their, you know, their, their best local player. Um, for Sydney, like he is just a man possessed, you know, with his length and everything and everything like that. So he's just gonna—he's a real tough guy um, to shut down. That's gonna be, um, I think, really key uh, for them. But you know, their imports, of course, Jalen Adams is—it's Jalen Adams against Josh Adams, right? That's the biggest uh, matchup in this one. Jalen Adams for the Sydney Kings, the MVP of the league, um, and then Josh Adams for the Jack Jumpers, who hit that just simply out of this world fall away three-pointer to ice the game from the corner uh, against Melbourne United. So that, that's the premier matchup. But for me, um, I really in like I really like watching Xavier Cooks. You know, and there's you know there's been some rumours that he might make his way over here. He signed here the last couple of years in the New Zealand NBL, but couldn't make it happen logistically with COVID and everything. So we'd love to see him come over here. Uh, and from a Kiwi point of view, of course, Tom Vodanovic. What a career resurgence Tom Vodanovic has had after um, not being able to, to know, knock on the door in the Australian NBL after being cut by the breakers. And here he is in the grand final series playing really meaningful millets for the Sydney Kings. More NBA uh, action as the uh, playoffs uh, continue. Conference semi-finals in place. Golden State 1-1 with the Grizzlies. Imagine Golden State will prevail there um, with or without Stephen Adams. Yeah, I think so. Um, it was a 106, about five-point win to the Grizzlies. You know, you never know. Like, like, like we said before, these your kind of your predictions on these ones can change from game to game. Uh, I still like the Warriors there. I think the Suns right now are the best team left in the competition. Um, you know, all this talk about and uh, don't get me wrong, I'm a huge LeBron James fan for what he's done at age 38. I, I think Chris Paul turns 37 next week. Um, and the performances he's putting on as a point guard in the NBA Finals, you know, are, are just phenomenal. Um, against Luka Doncic, you know, one of the best players in the world. So uh, that that series has probably got my eyes more than any at the moment. And then we've got some other series, right, where we see now this time of year where injuries are starting to play a part. You know, Joel Embiid, they're probably going to be without him for, for Game 3 of the 76ers. So 
um, that's going to play a real key part. You know, going down the stretch of this NBA season, who's actually going to have a full-strength team um, when it comes to the pointy end? But, yeah, it's, it's, it's good fun to watch, though. Jeez, there's a lot of basketball on it's uh, it's prime time for you, Hugh, uh, which is uh, why well, we're so grateful you managed to find uh, uh, 10, 15 minutes for us this morning. Uh, good luck with your call tonight. We'll be watching uh, that's the Giants against Tuatara uh, and Nelson. Uh, look forward to another full house and uh, another weekend of, of great domestic basketball. Thanks for your time, mate. Thanks, mate. Yeah, cheers. Hugh Bainham there, uh, general manager of the NBL New Zealand's uh, Sales NBL. Uh, lots of uh, matches over... The weekend and uh, plenty for you to attend if you want to as well and get that fan experience. It is uh, 10.18 here on SENZ. When we return, we shall have a panel this morning consisting of two very, very learned gentlemen. And uh, we're just looking here. Alex Chapman, of course, and uh, Hamish Bidwell. Alex Chapman and Hamish Bidwell next. Hamish Bidwell, I think, out of the mighty Hawks Bay. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Alex Chapman, Hamish Bidwell with us this morning. Uh, Alex, if I can start with you, please. Uh, a bit of bleating, I, I think, coming out of the camp from uh, uh, Scott Robertson on the fact that he's had to dig so deep in his player pool this time around. I'm not sure he's going to get a lot of sympathy from around the country, but it's probably indicative, though, when your uh, previously strongest franchise is going that deep. It's, uh, it's indicative of where everyone's going. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Morning, Hamish. They're not even the worst. The Hurricanes are going to raise the bat this week. They're going to bring up 50. The Crusaders are only sitting at 43. They're yet to even get to a milestone. Um, that, this is just kind of the times we're living in, though, isn't it? We're, I mean, obviously they don't help themselves with the suspensions, but the fact that we've got COVID injuries, obviously. Um, it, it is crazy, though, that some guys are having Super Rugby debuts before NPC. So you just have to think about... That and, and you hope that it doesn't really affect their confidence too much going forward. But the fact that Scott Robertson's tenure in terms of players being used is going to be broken inside for 13 weeks is, is pretty remarkable. No sympathy, though. I agree with you. No, no sympathy. No sympathy. I, I wouldn't uh, for you, uh, Hamish Bidwell, either. I, I would imagine uh, the realization, yeah, 50. Uh, that what worries me about this, uh, Hamish, is they might want to increase their squads next time round, which means bigger bills. Yeah, I, yeah, one of the happiest times of my life was covering Canterbury and the Crusaders for the press newspaper, so I do have some affection for the red and black. Um, look, it's, I was on with Mark Stafford earlier in the week, and he was talking about fans feeling a bit disillusioned and disenfranchised. It's an amazing feat that New Zealand rugby have pulled off. They've disenfranchised a whole bunch of players. We have a whole tier of talent that just left the country in droves. We have guys who were regular superstars, occasional all-black squad members, and they've just gone, and they've been replaced by boys. So we have All Blacks playing under sufferance. We have kids with no runs on the board playing. And that would be fine if the disillusionment didn't extend to coaching too. Once where we had guys like Boyd and Rennie and Joseph coaching teams, guys who were international test rugby ready to, to that level, we, we have guys we have guys doing their apprenticeship, their coaching apprenticeship. You know, we don't, you know, you can mitigate for the loss of a tier of talent. You can mitigate for the loss of depth if you have actually some quality coaching, but we don't have it. And so we have this cycle where... We have 
always been promoted before their time. We had coaches who were inadequate in terms of being able to up, get them up to speed for the rigors of Super Rugby. And it's all because no one sees a path here for themselves. They don't see uh, the New Rugby cares about them or wants them here, and so they go. And it's a, it's a cycle that I don't see um, stopping in a hurry. The other cycle, Hamish, which uh, I'm, I uh, don't see stopping in uh, a hurry is diminishing crowd attendance either. And I, I'm not quite sure what the answer is there. Is it is it something that, uh, as a as a journo, you look at uh, week by week and and take note of? Well, we're all used to you mentions, aren't we? We all think that everything was better once upon a time, but Super Rugby actually was better, and it actually was better within a two or three years ago. Like it's an inferior product, and the disillusionment. I think with head office has extended to fans. I think people were just tired of rugby in New Zealand. They're tired of New Zealand rugby. They feel they're being lied to. They feel that appointments don't make sense. They feel that reviews don't add up. And they just generally have had enough. And so rather than, you know, people who love the game are now apathetic to it. And that's that's a real issue. Alex, uh, if you weren't involved in the media, would you go to sport? That's a great question. Um... Would I still go to sport? God, you really made me think here, Smitty. Probably, um, but not nearly as much as I'm fortunate enough to be able to do so now. And I think this weekend is going to be a real litmus test in terms of the interest of the New Zealand rugby public in the game here, because if you ever want the contest in the last 18 months, then we've got it at the moment. And just look at the... The disparity, which is slowly being closed between New Zealand and Australian sides, apparently. Um, and I was listening to your multi before, and the fact that the, the, the Chiefs are still seven and a half point favourites, and the Brumbies, who are the, by far the best Australian team, and playing some really, really good, exciting footy, are paying three twenty-five at the tab. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'll definitely be jumping on that side note. But to go back to your original point, probably. Not and definitely not rugby. If, if I'm to go to sport, then it's more like for the experience and who I'm with. And most of my mates aren't going to go out of their way to go and watch rugby. Well, see, Hamish, you've had sport in the blood. Your dad, yourself, etc. You've been writing about sport for decades between you. Uh, Suggest to me you have got a genuine love of sport to make it your livelihood and to make it your living as such. Uh, I, I just wonder uh, if you had to put the pen down and, and, and uh, you had the option to go to McLean Park next week, Hawke's Bay, Manawatu. Would you go? I'd go if my son wanted to go. It's really hard when your hobby becomes your, your job. Um, you do get a bit jaundiced and as you go along and you actually see how the sausage is made and you know that the people that you're dealing with perhaps aren't as remarkable as, as, as you were led to believe as a kid. Um, you, you, your attitude does change. So I try hard to see it through my son's eyes. He's, he's 11 going 12 and he does still have people on a pedestal. He is interested in things that I've long since stopped being keen about. So I, I try for his sake. If he wants to go to something, we go. And I, I put my big boy pants on, I smile, and I try and make it a fun experience for him. But to answer your question, if I had to go as a punter, my interest in going is nil to anything. Okay. Wow. That is interesting. That is absolutely interesting. Uh, we're going to take a short break, fellas. Uh, we'll come back with uh, two or three other topics uh, to talk about, but it's uh, 10.30 now here on SENZ and time for Arawa's update. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah. 
Right, uh, we'll talk a little bit of money in sport now and the money around sport. Uh, 10.32 here on the panel with Hamish Bidwell and Alex Chapman. Uh, I see AJS Patel is, uh, Hamish, AJS Patel has, has put his uh, test wicket shirt up for grabs. This is the one uh, that he got 10 wickets with. It's uh, been beautifully showcased and signed as well. Uh, I think it's up to uh, this morning around $18,000. Uh, I just wonder what it would be worth if it was uh, perhaps Anil Kumble's 10-wicket one in India. Oh, you couldn't write a big enough cheque. It'd be absolutely huge. Um, I do like this. Um, you see a lot of stage-managed or manufactured acts of kindness around sport, but this seems really genuine. Um, AJ's our child in, in Starship. He really appreciated the care, and he's doing something off his own bat, which I I really admire. Um I'm interested more broadly in whether he's going to play any cricket in England or how much cricket he does play. I'd, I'd be a lot happier if Joe Root was still England captain and, and uh, Broad and Anderson were still on the outer. But as, as I look at the, how the two teams might line up, I'm a bit worried for you, I am too, actually. And in fact, you, you, give up, uh, you bring up a good subject, which we probably weren't going to talk about this morning, but we will. Uh, we will have to use spin uh, in England. OK, it's June, but uh, over the course of those three pitches where we have actually won test matches on. That's the one thing in our favour there, and history suits us at those three grounds. Uh, I, ju- I just wonder about uh, Patel and his influence uh, on that series, uh, bearing in mind it's been forever. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's a hell of a career to have, isn't it, where you, you can't even get a game after a tenser. Um New Zealand will need someone to, to, to hold an end up, and he may be that guy. I don't see him spinning too many guys out, obviously, but... Um, I just feel that they're walking into a bit of an ambush. I think Stokes will be a more attacking and decisive captain than Root. Um, you might say to guys like Anderson and Broadlock, you're not getting a cover, you don't have a mid-off, you're actually going to have to bowl a drivable length and nick guys out. You know, you can't be defensive all the time. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's the batting that worries me more. I think he's a little bowl okay, provided everyone scrubs up a right after the IPL. It's not a great preparation. England have had more guys, more of their elite guys, turn the IPL down and they're actually playing county mm-hmm. cricket. So, yeah, no, it's a worry. Yeah, we've only had uh, one really turn it down. Uh, Kyle Jamison, of course, whose uh, contract was astronomical last year. God knows what he would have got this year. It wouldn't have been that much, I would imagine, on performance, Alex. But, yeah, certainly they are dedicated towards, uh, I think, flying the flag at home more, but out of necessity, England. Uh, the Patel thing, though, AJS Patel and, and the shirt, the auction value around $18,000. Good stuff. I love it. And he's also one of the great humans, so I'm not actually surprised by it, but good on him. And, and that's such a special jersey. For, so for him to have that selflessness, to be willing to, to put that up for auction, and obviously we saw the, the Hope for Holly campaign, which Tim Southey and Tom Blunder were heavily involved in and um, played sport, did, did some awesome stuff with Auckland clubs in particular. And I think we need more of this stuff when there is a story behind it. One of my colleagues at News Hub, Natasha Payne, did a story with Alex Nankable, the Chiefs midfielder, oh, probably a month ago, about auctioning off his 50th Chiefs jersey for Cure Kids because he had a brother affected by cancer. So I think it's also the jobs of the organisations and the athletes to let us in the media and let the public know when these sorts of things are happening and, and really driving it and working on that narrative. As long as there is, as Hamish says, that really personal, important connection. Doing it just for the sake of it, don't bother. But, like, for example, the Blues are doing a campaign for Tonga this week, and so at Media this week, they put up 
Ufutunga Fasi and Dalahangahu, who both have pulling connections. I'm all for that. It, it's when there isn't kind of a purpose behind it that I, I do struggle with. Alex, what chance Papua New Guinea becoming the 18th uh, unit in the uh, NRL? What chance? I mean, New Zealand have uh, been tr- looking to get a second team in there, one based out of Wellington. Papua New Guinea beating Wellington to the punch. Is that a possibility for you? I don't know a massive amount of, about Papua New Guinea rugby league, to be honest. I get excited when they're playing World Cups and they put on some really good hits and apparently rugby league's massive over there. But apart from that, I, I think... The finances and the logistics would be the two big issues and the, the hurdles that they'd have to overcome. We saw it with um, Wana Pacifica and Super Rugby and the Fiji and Drua as well. Um, is it the obvious option? Probably not. They probably need a team in Perth or Tasmania before they even think about taking it to, well, even to New Zealand probably, let alone Papua New Guinea. But overall, I'm, I'm, I'm all for growth in the game. They just need to be smart about it. There's a book coming out, Hamish, uh, very shortly, uh, written by a fellow by the name of Alan Shipnuck, the unauthorised biography of Phil Mickelson. He gets the headlines again this morning, Phil, uh, on the basis that it will be revealed. Uh, He has uh, lost, in a space of about three to four years, over a period, he lost 62 million New Zealand dollars gambling. Gambling. Uh, This is a bloke we're led to believe is one of the uh, American sports fans' most... Um, most popular blokes. Um, I'm not sure how he's going to come out of this biography. It's not just that. It's as soon as he got involved with the Saudi stuff, it's been open season on him. I've heard people on podcasts such as Brandon Chambly, who's obviously a, a playing peer of Nicholson's now a golf analyst, Pat Perez, who's still on the tour, absolutely giving him a kicking. You know, terrible guy. He's kind of all thinking into he's a decent fella. He's made so much money. He's a greedy so and so. He should have gone to jail once Pat Perez said about whether there were some murky dealings with KPMG once upon a time. Um, yeah, he's a really unpopular figure among the golf fraternity and they're using this as the opportunity to perhaps make that a bit more public than it has been. Um, the whole Saudi thing in general is interesting, um, the whole sports washing scenario and Lee Westwood was put under the pump a bit yesterday and tried to justify his desire to go in. We've had Sergio Garcia throwing a a spaz on the course on the PGA Tour this morning and saying he can't wait to get on the tour in two weeks and get away from you people. So, yeah, I think some household names, some revered figures are, are going to sort of find their reputations a little bit diminished in, um, in the time to come. And yet, all of a sudden, this magnificent, uh, honest, uh, everything good about him, feel-good player, Stephen Elker comes along and takes the Champions Tour by storm. And what a great story that is, Hamish. And not just him, Ryan Fox in the tie for the lead um, at the Belfry this morning. Like, that's just... <sighs> golf's a, I play for my sins. I'm a team golfer. I listen to a lot of golf podcasts. And I have a huge admiration for the way New Zealand pros do it. The, 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 the tyranny of distance, the, the, the struggles to get on tours, to keep cards, to be away from families. Uh, we're not flashy in our golf. We don't have, you know, big names brilliant shot makers. We have grinders. We have guys that personify the humble New Zealand attitude. Elka and Fox are absolutely typical of that and I, I admire them immensely. We have co-contending um, earlier in the week. Like We're very lucky with the people we have flying our, our golfing flag internationally. Alex Chapman, great night last night for the Phoenix and a great night for, finally, for our franchises doing it tough in Australia. Yeah, reward. 
and, and justified reward and necessary reward for some really loyal, passionate fans that the Phoenix have. Obviously, the Breakers have struggled in the last couple of years, and, and God knows how difficult that's been for, for these teams being based in Australia. It, it, it's good for the Phoenix. I'm, I'm delighted for them, but to be honest, they were in a position six weeks ago where they potentially could have had a home playoff. And talking to David Dome, that was very much on the radar for them. They were looking at one game in Wellington, one game in Auckland, and then, hey, we may end up having a home playoff as well. Where will we get that? Or where will we host that so that we can get a decent crowd? So they stuffed that up a little bit, but overall, you know, the, the, the Phoenix train rolls on, and, and who knows where it'll take them. They're not playing delightful football at the moment. It's, it's not pretty football, but they're really grinding out wins when they aren't being absolutely pantsed, which kind of seems to be the case at the moment. Either they get absolutely smashed or they grind out a, a 1-0, 2-1 win. Hey, Mister, I spoke to uh, Aaron Major this morning when I finally got his name right uh, as, of course, the head coach of uh, Moana Pacifica and asked him for a, a bit of a nine-round a nine report card. If I ask you a nine-round report card about Drua and about Pacifica, uh, a, a tick in the column for you, a success? Oh, they're doing about as well as they can. They're not well-resourced. They were on hidings to nothing. Um, they've been competitive. I think it was utterly shameful for the Hurricanes to lose the Moana Pacifica um, at Mount Spart a few weeks back. But um, they're, the te- they're teams that people wish would be success, but they need to be able to, to stand on their own two feet, to be well-resourced financially in terms of playing staff. Um, I think the idea of it, the concept is fantastic. I'd like to see the Pacific Islands become our some of our major rugby rivals. I'd like to see it become a different pathway for players out of school rather than just throwing a lot of them with NZR and, and, and the All Blacks. Like I think we've seen with Tonga Rugby League that we can have uh, a local rivalry. We can have um, spectacle and theatre and noise and grounds. Um, we don't really have it at the moment. You know, you were asking before about how do we get fans to crowds. Well, the Tonga Rugby League thing, that was a phenomenon. And I think we can do that on the international rugby stage as well, if we allow Moana Pacifica to um, develop and, 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 and get some runs on the board. Like, I just think we need some colour and vibrancy. We need to engage different parts of our community, and I think this is a way to do that. Yep, I agree. I absolutely agree, and I, I just go back to that crowd at Suva last weekend, and just uh, it, I won't say it reinvigorated me, but it did excite me ever so slightly. Uh, 10.42 here on SCNZ. That was the panel this morning, Hamish Bidwell and Alex Chapman. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Have a great weekend, uh, whatever you're involved in, whether it be watching or writing about uh, sporting activities. And we'll catch up with, with you again shortly. And, of course, we'll have another panel uh, with two new panellists on Monday morning around about uh, 10.20. So uh, yeah, we'll take a short break. When we come back, I've got a lot of texts, a lot of texts that uh, I should read out, and I'll soon do that. For Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, a number of texts come in and there might be a, a bit of a theme starting to develop here, apart from the fact that you're all pretty un, unhappy about the prospect of going to sport and the reasons why. Uh, Smithy, parking at Eden Park is the problem. Getting home at 10.30 after walking 40 minutes to the car in the cold and the dark is just hopeless. Sunday afternoon games at 2pm, I would do it, leaving Saturday for kids' sport. That's uh, Stephen. Thank you for that. 
Um, yeah, Mike's come in here. Um, Mike, nice to hear from you. Hope the family are all well. And I would imagine uh, you're watching some uh, grandchildren, grandsons play some uh, Saturday morning uh, sport as well. Uh, as an older Kiwi sports fan, weather permitting, I prefer to attend where access and cost are not a major factor, says Mike. I watch uh, local junior club rugby most Saturdays, COVID willing. Recently, I attended a very well-run pre-season Sunday juniors tournament at Waitamata Rugby Club, along with 2,000-plus supporters, so grassroots rugby looks okay to me. Uh, the Blues need to play the majority of games, games closer to their supporters at a more reasonable cost rather than Eden Park, which is much harder to access and unwelcoming. Take the game closer to the people. More often, Sunday afternoons make it more accessible and reasonably priced. Over time, they will attend more often. We used to have season tickets at Eden Park, but the advent of corporate and professional rugby, combined with increasingly difficult access, made it unattractive to make the effort. Uh, same for uh, cricket. New Zealand has taken the international game away from Aucklanders, but that's another subject for another time. Thank you very much, Mike, for that in-depth text this morning. Uh, that's a, another theme, though, isn't it? Uh, let's uh, look at afternoon rugby. Afternoon rugby where it's more pleasant to go. Um, Anthony from Rotorua, I used to go to heaps of super rugby games when I was a young and single guy. Now I'm married with a baby on the way. Night rugby just doesn't do it for me. One day, uh, one day, more daytime rugby is needed. Still go to heaps of Black Caps games at Bay Oval because it's on at a good time and I can get some sunshine on the back, which is nice. Another text has come in. Smorthy, how do you promote going to the game when you get a first half like when the Hurricanes played the Reds? It was rubbish. The crowd booed the ref. Uh, he blew the whistle that much. And that's interesting too, uh, that in the number of texts and communications we've had about this uh, particularly uh, current issue, um, not a lot of the refs have um, been blamed or you know the stop-start nature of it. It's more about the experience this morning. There's a clear, a clear indication there uh, that you just want to have uh, a more pleasant experience. And, uh, and the armies, the armies of security, um, you know, the, the armies, if you want some good entertainment, go to a... Go to a Crusaders game and watch the, the security guys practice, practice chasing down a streaker. Watch them practice chasing down a streaker. Um, it is, I mean, that's almost worth it's the, the, the price of the admission alone. To watch these guys chasing themselves around pretending to be streakers, that is funny. That is absolutely funny. Uh, Craig uh, says, uh, hi, Smithy, I'm thankful on two fronts. Yes, I know you got me for 150 bucks yesterday. But you didn't have it in your account yesterday, Craig, and you're grateful because you would have backed the Rabbitohs in your weekend multi. Uh, I realise I know nothing about leagues, says uh, Craig Ditto, uh, says Ian, although neither do the bookies. They had the Souths at hot favourites. Yep, they were a buck 23 and they got pounded. Never in it. Pounded by 20. And look out for Brisbane. Look out. Kevin Walters has got Brisbane going pretty damn well. It's 10.51 here at SENZ. Tune in every Tuesday night from 7.30pm on SENZ with me, Ian Jones, the Carmo Kid. We're going to unpack all things Chiefs. It's Chiefs Mana. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. TheLoveRacing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. It's no Louie this morning, it's better. It's Clado this morning. Clado, and interest at the Gold Coast tomorrow. The carnival begins in Queensland. Uh, and sort of state lining up with Opie on board. 
Yeah, sort of state, Coventina Bay and the Hollandale Stakes. The Kiwis have arrived big time and Slipper Island for Tony Pike. But, yeah, it's pretty wet over there, so we'll suit a lot of Kiwis. You've got uh, the good oil tomorrow. Who have you got on, Clado? We've got legendary Group 1 trainer Steve McKee. And we've gone to the head of NZB. We've got Andrew Seabrook on as well. So he likes to punt and the chat. He can talk that bloke, so it'll be a nice cruisy day for me. And they start today, they're racing the weekend starts, what, at Otaki today? Yeah, 10 race card at Otaki today, Smithy, and that's a, some pretty good fields to think your teeth into today, and there's a couple I really like, uh, race 7, number 8, Alchemia, it's around 250, but Katrina and Simon Alexander horse goes very, very good, and race 8, number 2, Finston, a nice little wrap around that horse, both last start winners, but I tell you what, Smithy, somebody rang me up, woke me up this morning, took me a winner, they couldn't wait to tip it to me, race four, and I first started, I went through the field, I thought this is one of the strongest maiden fields you've ever seen, get right down the bottom of the page, hasn't raced, hasn't trolled, hasn't had a jump out, but it's only paying $8, so boy, that could be a good lead, race four, number 14, Sedona, so I'm going on the wrap on the, on the old coat paws. Good on you, mate. Thank you very much, uh, Clayton. Have a great weekend. We'll be listening tomorrow afternoon. Pip Morris joins us uh, on behalf of the TAB with Greyhounds to call as well, I guess, today, Pip. Yeah, good morning to you, Smithy. No, no Greyhounds to call for me today, back on Wednesday for that, but you're really looking forward to both meetings. 11 race card at Palmerston North, and race number six, I think, Hint of Mint can bounce back. He's only short. He's around 180, but he comes up with box seven, so he'll be better suited to that. On the harness side of things, we've got bonus back racing, first two races out of Addington, and in race number one, the four, Franco Yorick's been the best back, followed by the six, Pertinelli G, and in race number two, the six, Lovestruck's been the best back by quite a bit, next best is the five, Ariella, and there is power plays available later on too on the features there in the uncut gems, races five, seven, and nine, so check those out, and at Wagga as well in the Gold Cup, that's race number seven, and a super surge as well, Smithy, to look forward to, Addington Harness meeting, race five, Darling Me, into race six, final collect both to win, and that's option 4008, so check that out on trb.co.nz. Cool, Pip, thank you very much, you have a great weekend, please. Uh, We have more Greyhound racing to talk about uh, after uh, the break, as well as some UFC. Uh, with Mike Lightning Angove out of Shanghai. Yeah, Shanghai, that's coming up. The all-new SCNZ is Kiwi for sport. Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. It is uh, 11.03 New Zealand time and it's time to get into the octagon with the UFC 274 happening this Sunday, headlined by a lightweight matchup between Charles uh, Oliveira and Justin Gaethje. Uh, joining us today to talk about the fight cards this weekend, uh, coming up is uh, former kickboxing champion, of course, uh, the man we go to all the time, like Lightning uh, Mike Angove, uh, when we want to find out what's uh, happening in uh, the UFC world in particular but uh, this time uh, we're going slightly different in terms of where Mike is. We're going to Shanghai. Uh, Mike is uh, there waiting for us uh, after enduring about 50-plus lock days of uh, lockdown uh, that we really haven't experienced in this country. Mike, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning. Yeah, 50-odd days and, uh, and counting, but, you know, it is what it is. We've just got to get on with it, and, uh, and uh, hopefully it uh, comes to an end sometime this century. 
<laughs> yeah, that would be nice. Uh, and how, I mean, how tough is it compared to like uh, the, the lockdowns you experienced back here at home? Well, um, I mean, New Zealand is regarded as having a pretty strict policy, but uh, the Chinese policy is, is more strict. Um, but it's a, it's a legitimate lockdown where you're, you're in your room, you're not to leave your house, um, you know, uh, and um, up until recently you couldn't even leave your room in the apartment building that you're, you're staying in. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly tough, but it's not something I'd, uh, I'd recommend, um, you know, as, as uh, shits and giggles, so to speak. It's definitely, uh, definitely not something you enjoy. Okay, let's uh, look at the reason you're there, Mike, because, uh, of course, uh, you're over there as what the head striking coach for the UFC Performance Institute of Shanghai. What does that entail when you can do it? Um, oh, look, in a nutshell, uh, China's obviously seen as a, um, as a big market for the, for the UFC, and the Performance Institute is, is based around developing uh, uh, and harnessing the, the talent of local Chinese uh, fighters, developing and bringing it up to, to UFC level, obviously with the, uh, with the goal of eventually having um, UFC champions coming out of China. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely uh, a, a bit different for me. Um, you're doing a lot through translation, um, but uh, I've only had uh, four days um, where where I was out um, very briefly after quarantine, and then we were locked down. So um, you know, looking forward to being able to do that uh, at some stage, hopefully sooner rather than later. Let's uh, look at the fights coming up uh, on 274 this weekend, which I would imagine will attract a lot of uh, your attention as well as many back here in New Zealand. Um, and perhaps the three main bouts as uh, we've uh, isolated them. Uh, Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson. Yeah, well, look, that's a, that's a very interesting fight. Um, you know, Ferguson's uh, coming off uh, two losses in a row and a pretty vicious loss to... Justin Gaethje, where Gaethje just beat him to the punch constantly and, and basically stopped him um, through consecutive power shots. What we saw from Ferguson there was um, a great chin, but, uh, you know, a, a question as to whether he could match it um, with, you know, high-caliber high strikers. He's got a very similar guy in Michael Chandler, um, who, who's full of explosive power and speed, particularly early. Um, perhaps the difference between uh, Chandler uh, and, and Gaethje is that Gaethje uh, carries his power deep. Um, we've yet to see uh, Chandler, you know, grind that out over, um, you know, over three to five rounds. So uh, Ferguson, we know he's very, very tough, and he's also got a very good submission game. Um, so, you know, Chandler needs to be uh, very cautious with his energy, uh, not pull all his eggs in one basket and try and blast him out of there in a, in a single round um, because uh, Ferguson is, is, uh, is durable and he does have a lot of different ways to finish. The other thing with Ferguson is, although he's very unorthodox, he, he, he can punch. He can punch pretty hard. He even managed to drop Gaethje. So, uh, interesting fight. Chandler's probably favoured in, in that one. Um, but, uh, you know, clearly uh, I think the UFC, having invested in getting uh, Chandler uh, across from, from Bellator, 
um, you know, would want to see more explosive, exciting fights out of him. The co-main event uh, features uh, a couple of ladies in... Uh it's a rematch, uh, eight years in the making, Rose uh, Nama Yunus and Carla Esparza for the women's strawweight strap, uh, two seemingly in completely different place career and school-wise since their first meeting. Um, which way do you see this one going? Well, it, it, look, it's, uh, it is a very, very different fight. Rose Nama Yunus uh, was completely green, um, you know, when they fought. She uh, gassed herself by... You know, trying to trying to step up too early, trying to finish the girl too early, and Esparza is particularly tough. And it was just a case of Esparza uh, wearing her down, or, or Rose really, um, you know, uh, emptying her tank early, and then Esparza just came on strong. I think uh, you know it, it's a big ask now. Rose Namajunas has gone on as a fighter and become, uh, you know, uh, elite of elite level. Yeah, she she's uh, she been five rounds in in the match against Wei Li, um, and that was five pretty tired rounds. Um, she, you know she's been five rounds against uh, Joanna Jacek, so you know stamina won't be a problem for her now. Also with Trevor Whitman in her corner um, for for many years now, he's one of the elite striking coaches in the world. Um, so I, I expect Rose uh, will be very very well prepared. Esparza, um, look, she um, is the smaller of the two two women. Um, she still has that grinding wrestler's game, but she will have needed to add a lot more to to her game to ensure that uh, Namakunis doesn't beat her up on the outside. And the other factor will be Namakunis' ground game has improved as well. Her get-up game, her, her ability to wrestle, all those aspects. So, you know, it's, it's a tough fight. It's an intriguing fight. If Nama Junis wins this, it's a little bit like uh, you know Shevchenko in the um, division above, in that there's, there's not many women um, who can really match it with her. So uh, you know, interesting fight. Uh, I think Nama Junis rightly the favourite in that one. Mike, have we got any New Zealand women on the cusp of UFC? Um, at, at this stage, uh, we've. Uh, We've we've got a couple on the, on the cusp of international level, um, but still really you know developing there. Um, you know there, there's a few younger ones coming through uh, at City Kickboxing. Uh, Michelle Montague is over in the states at the moment, uh, continuing to develop her game. Uh, she of course was a was a uh, IFMA, uh world world gold medalist or world champion at, at amateur level. Um, so, you know, there's people who are on the way up, um, but, but no one really, uh, you know, about to get signed. OK, let's look at uh, the, the other main event, of course, which is uh, a lightweight uh, affair between Charles Oliveira uh, and Justin Gaethje. Promises to be uh, a real barn burner with uh, both proven uh, elite athletes. Uh, Charles, uh, perhaps uh, more paths to victory than, than Gaethje, would you agree? How, how do you see this one going? Well, look, it's a, it's a fascinating fight. Um, Oliveira, he has always been world-class with his submissions. Um, he's got a huge number of stoppages um, from very, very opportunistic submissions 
Um, but that's because he knows how to put you away with it, with, with those. Um, we saw against Poirier, he, he got the back through a mistake from Poirier, and he put him away really, really quickly. He's not a guy who you want on your back. Um, he's got a, got a great variety of subs. Um, so for Gaethje, I think this is very much about not making a mistake because a momentary mistake with this guy can mean he snatched up your neck and you're asleep. Um, you know, it's going to be about, um, you know, good scrambles from, from Gaethje, um, not just defending the first takedown, um, you know, scrambling well, not giving up his back and being very, very aware of any position he puts himself in. Oliveira's uh, striking's improved out of sight. He's still a little bit slow when he starts off, um, and that's somewhere where, where Gaethje comes off strong. Gaethje, of course, coming off a victory against Michael Chandler, who we talked about early, um, and that was an absolute war between two power punches. Um, I think Gaethje's stamina is very good. Again, he has Trevor Whitman as his coach, um, so he'll have prepared a, a, a very, very comprehensive uh, striking strategy. And uh, that's Gates' best path to victory. He's a very good wrestler. He's a very good defensive wrestler. And he's going to need all of that to keep Oliveira off. I think for the division, it's good if Oliveira, um, you know, ends up coming out potentially on, on top. And, and that's just because um, it, it keeps the the mystique alive, if you like, about um, about Habib Nurmagomedov. Obviously, uh, Gates lost that fight. Um, but it'll be it'll be nice, I guess, from a branding point of view to have Oliveira coming through as a guy who, who's sort of not blemished by the by the ghost of Habib, and that probably leaves the uh, you know the um, Makachev fight um, if he comes out victorious is a is a really spicy option marketing wise. But fascinating fight, um, you know, Gaethje's in there with more than a puncher's chance. Um, but again, Oliveira, um, you know, I think a, a, a worthy favourite in this one. But by no means is, is that fight um, an easy one to pick. Um, Mike, just uh, before we let you go, what about the prospects of New Zealanders in action? I see um, 275, UFC 275, which is actually in Singapore next month. Uh, Blood Diamond has a chance against uh, Orion Kosky, who's signed to fight him. Uh, this was a fight that was going to fight, I think, a fighter he was going to fight originally, and he needs to win this one having lost the first time round. Yeah, well, there's a lot riding on this one for, for Bloods. He made a mistake in his first fight um, against a very, very strong wrestler and a, and a good submission fighter. Um, obviously, he will have learnt from that. Um, and, he, again, he's, he's up against a guy who is a very good wrestler who will try and take him down. Uh, you know, who will look for a ground and pound or will look for the submission. So it's a classic uh, striker versus grappler kind of matchup. Um, and Blood Diamond really needs to show, you know, that uh, his uh, takedown defense and his get up game is, is up to UFC standards. So, you know, um, I know that he'll be feeling that. And, um, you know, he will uh, absolutely be uh, leaving no stone unturned in the gym. Um, and knowing Eugene, uh, that will be a pretty hellish preparation. So, um, you know, looking forward to, to seeing how he reacts to that. Because he's uh, you know, a very good wrestler. Uh, his striking is rudimentary, but, um, but you know, he, he's a guy who definitely presents a danger. 
And uh, just finally, when we can can we expect Mike An- Mike Ango back on New Zealand shores? Um, yeah, look, uh, I, you know I'm, I'm over here for a couple of years, um, but uh, you know the visits back to New Zealand at, at the moment uh, every six months or so. Um, you know, depending on how this lockdown rolls out, obviously, um, you know you, you never know how long it's going to go on, and that may mean. Uh, an earlier holiday home uh, while they sort it out, but uh, but yeah, I'm over here for a couple of years, so um, be fascinating uh, while I'm here to just uh, learn more about the culture um, and obviously develop some some great athletes and um, eventually bring some of that coaching experience back to New Zealand. Good on you, Mike. Absolutely brilliant to catch up with you. Uh, look after yourself over there, and uh, be nice to see you home at some stage. Thank you for your time. Yeah, cheers, buddy. See you, boys. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Lightning Mike Angove there. Uh, what an exciting prospect there uh, and, and, and a nice uh, a nice job he's, he's got in line there, but uh, he has uh, opportunities to do it a pretty tough. They are in serious lockdown here. It's 11.17 here on SENZ. Greyhounds uh, when we return with Glenda Hughes, CEO of Greyhound Racing New Zealand. 11.22 here on SENZ. This is a slot we uh, have on a Friday uh, for Greyhound Racing New Zealand and uh, news and promotion about uh, upcoming events, etc. But today we have to take a slightly different angle on it. And uh, Glenda Hughes, the CEO of GRNZ, is with us now to talk a little, a little bit about the, the new damning allegations that have been uh, in the media uh, over the last few days and uh, about the Greyhound Racing industry. Uh, among the stories first reported by News Hub are reports that uh, prolific South Island trainer John McInerney has been charged by the Racing Integrity Board over racing a dog while it was injured. Stories also claim up to 300 warnings have been issued to Greyhound trainers for health and welfare failures in the last year. It's troubling news for the industry. It's a constant fight that uh, they are up against. And to talk it about uh, a wee bit this morning, on behalf of the industry, is the CEO, as I said, Glenda Hughes. Uh, Glenda, good morning to you. It's been a long time. It has been a long time, Smithy. <laughs> it has. Uh, you, you, you've worn so many, so many hats over the years, Glenda, and um, this one I understand you, uh, you're about to take off as well and move on to, to greener pastures as such. But before you do, um, you have to speak on behalf of, the, of these allegations, I'm sure. Yes. Um, the first thing that I would like to make extremely clear is that um, this, uh, the combination of uh, conflating my resignation with this particular incident is absolutely wrong. I, um, immediate, I originally took this job on for six months. Um, then as a result of COVID and the requirement of the government for the review, I offered to stay on during that time <coughs> to assist them through the review and to deal with COVID. And I told them last year that I would be finishing at the end of this year. Uh, we announced the resignation purely and simply, and it was, it, I know people won't believe it, but it was a coincidence. Uh, because we want to get someone else in that can work with me for the final six months. Because contrary to a lot of people's belief, it's quite a complex industry um, with a, a, a complete diverse group of people to deal with and, um, and animal welfare is really important. So I'm sorry for making that clear, Ian, but does that, <laughs> so that's the first thing. That's no, fine, now, uh, Glenda. So... Yeah. Yeah, the second thing is the John McInerney thing, as you say. Yeah, which uh, when you you look at profile trainers of the of uh, the the type, the caliber of John McInerney, you really do take notice. 
Um, yes, and, and I mean, obviously, the, the larger trainers are also always going to be the people that you will take notice of. I mean, at the moment, as you're probably aware, um, there are investigations going on, um, so there's not a lot that I can say until that the actual those investigations are actually completed. Um, so, you know, I, I feel dreadful hiding behind that as it might seem, but I'm not actually, that, that, that is the reality um, of the situation. So um, I, I believe there's been a hearing um, regarding the uh, one that you're talking about with the race, you know, and what I would like to point out is that there are vets at the track that actually do check these dogs before they race, um, and basically, uh, you so so it was checked by a vet and allowed to race at the time. Glenda, I I, I wonder, are there people, uh, or uh, do you have a, an infrastructure there which enables you to have people? to visit these kennels on a regular basis within yeah. your organisation before, before it gets to the Racing Integrity Board level? That's what I'm worried about. Yeah, no. Uh, so the kennel, audit, the kennel audits actually have to be done by the Racing Integrity Board. And until right. the recent review, um, they weren't being... Um, the, the, and, and the change to, from Racing Integrity Unit to Racing Integrity Board, um, they were not... Uh, as regular or as robust as they currently are. <clears throat> so what we're doing is we're going through a change process. So it was interesting to me, uh, and I noticed that they did put at the end of the interview what I'd actually said, um, the 317 improvement notices for 51 kennels, right, um, they include things like um, there wasn't a, a sign... Uh, what to do in a fire on the door? There was there was smoke alarms missing, um, so a lot of them were that general tick the box warrant of fitness thing. And if you look at it, uh, three hundred and seventeen fifty, it's about six per kennel. So mm. uh, and I and and to be quite clear, um, you know, the, as the RIB have said, this shift includes. Um, far more rigour associated with the newly developed audit approach. So that's one of the issues, you know, when you move an audit from one level to another level um, and they're finding that some, some of the um, new ones are not giving the significant shift made. Um, and, but I do think, and this is the thing that everyone seems to forget, is that um, basically uh, we have not, in all of these audits, had anybody be reported to us that had a dog that needed any form of uh, veterinary intervention. We had some, I don't know whether people are aware, but in greyhounds, uh, teeth are quite a problem with greyhounds. And we had some um, that the teeth, uh, that, that was advised that the teeth get looked at properly. Or, or harder bones get used because that actually improves the teeth substantially. But there was absolutely no intervention um, at all, and vets went to every one of those audits. So there'd be no instance requiring the vet to address any immediate welfare concerns. So, so on, that's yeah, the, on, on the tr yeah. Uh, I was just going to say on the track on the day, just to clarify, vets are there in their numbers to make sure dogs who are not fit to run don't run, yeah? 
Absolutely. And, and I'm pleased to get the opportunity to actually front that one too because um, the SPCA keeps saying that they won't support us until we get vets on the track. We've had vets on the track for over 30 years and they examine every dog prior to race. Right. Okay. Well, that's cool. Um, <laughs> the other thing that, uh, that comes to mind is the other thing that comes to mind here um, is the statement by uh, RIB, uh, Mike Clement, who says, it's become clear that they don't understand what the rules are. Uh, and he's talking about these people uh, involved in the industry. They simply are ignoring the rules. I mean, that's a generalized statement, uh, quite an easy statement yeah. to make. But um, uh, when you've got that coming out publicly, it, it just you can see you can see the look from the outside, and you know the people oh. that are going to have a uh, have a crack at you, Glenda. They just wait for an opening, don't they? Oh, absolutely, and that's why hey, I want to thank you because they, the the television did ask me yesterday in that interview about what was my toughest role in this job, and I said my toughest role was moving perception to reality, and. Um, the issue is that there will always be animal activists that actually don't want dogs racing, they don't want horses racing, etc. Dogs are the easiest target. And so uh, they, they absolutely, I mean, I don't know whether you're aware, but we are the most regulated animal in New Zealand, is the greyhounds, the highest regulated animal. We are the only... Um, dogs in the in the whole of New Zealand that we require vaccination for. No one else has to get their dogs vaccinated apart from us. And that was a rule put in by Greyhounds New Zealand, not by any out external situation. We're way ahead. A hundred percent of our dogs that race are vaccinated. Um, we have a record. Now what I would say that in the past historically um, when I sort of before I came here and, and then when I did come here there was, um, there was a need for us to get data so that we can keep people up to date about what they need to know. So we've now got a program that they get an email saying, your dog is due for a vaccination on this particular date. These are the vaccinations that you need. Um, so from a point of view of them not knowing the rules, the constitution and the rules is quite, is quite big. And some of the things that like I said to you, some of the things that they're talking about in those, and they've called them improvement notices, not infringement notices. Um, and that's right. just things that, that need to be actually just picked up on. And like I said to you, 317, kennels. Um, how many of us take our car and get a warrant of fitness and need to fix three or four things before we actually do it? So I'm not trying to under, you know, underplay that there are some things that need sorting. Um, but I do think that currently it's really important to realise that not any of our dogs in any of those orders um, have required any urgent welfare assistance. Glenda, thank you very much uh, for clearing up a, a number of those issues for us because it is a worry. You also know uh, with your background that uh, radio and television have constraints, which means we have to go to a news break. Otherwise, I'd love to have carried on the chat a little bit longer. But uh, thank you for, for coming on, uh, and also uh, oh. all the best with your new venture. Um, it's great to and catch thank up. You. Thank you. Thank, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. That was Glenda Hughes, uh, who is the CEO of uh, Greyhound Racing New Zealand at the moment, uh, answering a, a few of those uh, 
curly, gnarly questions that have been revealed over the last day or so, yet again, about the greyhound racing industry. It is uh, 11.33. We're running a wee bit late, but uh, I found that enthralling. Uh, and it uh, still means we have got time for a stump smithy, which means uh, 0800 150 811. Please uh, get on uh, the phones right here and now, and it's time to go for a slightly late uh, bulletin here with Araha. Fresh is like, you're all right, mate. You're all right. All right, Richie, first question for you. The Kiwis have played the Palms in 32 tests. With the English side winning 22 of them, how many series have the Kiwis won? Three. Let's look at the chips down the wicket. Right oh. in the slot, and away it goes. Nice. Was that a guess, Richie, or did you just know that? That was very confident. It was a gut feeling, <laughs> and it's pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the only there one, mate. Love that. All right, second question. In what year did New Zealand claim their first Test Series victory over England? Yo. 78. Mm. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Not quite, my friend. Smithy, over to you. And yeah, here was I reckon it's 1984. That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, there is a stumping for you. Sorry, Richie, you're gone. Back to the pavilion. Yes, 1984 January home series. How about that? New Zealand played their first ever test series against England back in 1930, so we did have to wait a while. Uh, but coming in next in the crease, we have Luke from Dunedin. Right. Hey, mate, you ready to go? Yep, we'll give it a crack. All right, one more question. Alpha grabs $50 TAB bonus bet plus the sleep drops daytime revive. Recently retired Black Cap, Ross Taylor is our third highest run scorer in tests versus England. The late great Martin Crow is second on that list. Who sits at number one? Oh. Sorry, say that again. Kane Williamson. Kane. All right. Kane Williamson. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, we may have a over wow. the weekend stumping. Let's see how we go. We might do. We probably won't, though. Stephen Fleming. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. No, uh, not Fleming. Great guess, though. It was John Wright. Without You're kidding me. One th- John Wright. 1,518 runs. Our highest test run scorer against the English. So, Luke, wow. you are going to start the weekend with a $50 TAB bonus bet. How good? That fluked that one, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you fluked it all right. Righty, sorry, I apologise to my old mate John Wright. I should have known that. So uh, Luke's a winner. Stay on the line, Brian, to get your details. So uh, We've got Mick Guerin coming up after the break here on SENZ with some harness racing news. Come about, but the uncut genes... Jules James, you can sort of see the synergy there, was about giving horses who haven't won Group 1 races a chance to race each other for good money. So tonight you get the male paces, the female paces, and the trotters who haven't won a Group 1, so that's the big stuff, a chance to compete against each other. So the Uncut Gems are cool races because it gives 
the absolute superstars, you know, the horses who aren't those ones, their chance to race for good money, and they're very competitive because they make them preferential barrier draw. What that means is the better horses get the worst draws and therefore make it harder on them. So the other three big features coming out of Addington tonight, and I think we found a winner in one of them, Smithy, in race five, really like Darling Me. She's drawn barrier nine, but the horse inside her, Kelly's Delight's got really good gate speed. I think it'll blast off the gate and try and go forward and get close to the lead. I think this mare can follow her across, and she's a daughter of the champion race mare Adore Me. So I just think she's the right horse in the right race, and you're getting around even money, and the reason you're getting even money is because of the bad barrier draw, but I actually don't think it's too much of a concern. Okay. Uh from moving from there, of course, uh, Invercargill, which is the traditionally having at least uh, one South Island meeting on a, on Saturdays these days, and then of course uh, Rangiora, which will be all over Sunday because you'll be working for us on Sunday as well. Yeah, mate. So Greg O'Connor and I, um, twelve o'clock trots talk on Sunday. Greg will find a couple of trainers to try and get you a winner for Sunday. So join us at noon on SCNZ to talk about all the other harness racing stuff. Also review the weekend and talk about last night's Great Northern Trotting Oaks out of Alexandra Park, which were actually won by a pacing bred horse called the Double Delight. But Greg will have the winners in his southern segment on Sunday. Tomorrow morning, I'm actually hosting um, at 8 o'clock the mail run because Louie Human Watt is away for the weekend, having a well-earned break. So we'll be hosting with Matt Cross coming in from Christchurch. We'll be talking about the Big Dart Rickerton, also the racing tomorrow at Tarapa, but all the Kiwis, Smithy Racing, on the Gold Coast. The Queensland Carnival kicks off tomorrow for the New Zealanders. A lot of them there, and a lot of them are very rain-weary. They're very worried about the weather over there. So we'll find out what the track is like in the morning, talking to people like Robbie Patterson and Mark Walker, who's going to be across there and going to walk the track to see how wet it's going to get. So that's the mail run 8 o'clock tomorrow and Trot's talk to discuss all those harness meetings at noon on Sunday. Mick, I look forward to listening to you at at that point or those various points over the weekend. Uh, Have a great weekend uh, on the punt if you choose to do so, mate. Yeah, uh, be wary though of those Queensland tracks, eh? Be wary of those. Yeah, it's hard hard work in the wet weather, Smitty. We'll try and sort through them. So the punters who decide to have a bit responsibly, of course, have a bit of ammo. Yeah. Good on you. Thanks, Mick. Mick Gearin there. Have a great weekend, buddy. Uh, thank you for that. We'll be back uh, shortly to read out uh, two or three late texts, catch up with Staffy as well. And here's, an, here's a classic example of two texts, right, uh, that we've just received in here over the Greyhound issue. And, uh, you know, I don't mind reading either of them out. First of all, uh, Glenda, you are a champion. This is from Bet. Uh, Brett, I love the way you guys have trainers on. That's to us. Uh, Glenda, you are a champion. Uh, like he, Brett remembers the lady we talked to, uh, I think it was last week or the week before, who has 100 dogs and, and knows all of, last week, in fact, uh, knows all of their names, all of their names. And, and um, that was Janine McCook, of course, Janine McCook that we talked to last week. Uh, she said she knows them. And absolutely, you can hear in her voice, she loves the dogs, loves them as uh, like their kids. Uh, and the other side of the ledger, here's a, a text which has just come in as well. Time to stop promoting this cruel industry. The powers that be in dog racing just make excuse after excuse while their industry continues to abuse animals. So you see, there's not, not a lot of middle ground, really. If you're uh, around the greyhound industry, there's not a lot of middle ground. You either 
into it. Um, and you might be a lifer, actually. You, you might have started as a kid or it's been in the family system as such. Not all that many kennels around the country, as we heard from Glenda Hughes. Uh, so not all that many around the country. Uh, predominantly in the south. There's a lot in the South Island, um, to be fair. Uh, and to some very, very well-known trainers as well as that. But it's a relatively small industry as such in terms of people involvement there. Um, but then, of course, you've got the other side of the ledger, which is uh, not, you don't even have to be an animal rights person. Some people who just have their own pets uh, don't like it. You don't have to be an activist to, to be opposed to greyhound racing. So that is the sort of the issues you talk about. And those two texts, you see it um, as clear as day. It is 11.50 here on SENZ, heading into the last 10 minutes of our uh, week here on the mornings, uh, which means it'll be time to hand over to Staffy in the afternoons. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.